Hello and welcome to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. On today's episode, I'm joined by a dear friend of mine, Rachel Windsor. Rachel has built up a really successful career in the yoga and wellbeing space. This career, though, came out of an injury that stopped her performing. During this episode, Rachel is so honest and open about how it felt to have your career taken away from you, but how you can find the light at the end of that tunnel and build a new successful career and find other passions and dreams. So for anyone listening, whether your career is on hold or you are thinking of pivoting, whether that's through injury or you just want to try something new, I know this episode will resonate so much with you. Now let's dive in. On today's episode of the Business of Show Business podcast, we are talking about life after performing, and I'm joined by Rachel Windsor. Rachel suffered a career-changing injury, which made her reevaluate her goals and took her career from performing on stage to the yoga studio. How are you, Rachel? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you, Jamie? I'm good. Um, And just for the listeners, me and Rachel go way back. We actually trained at Musical Theatre College together. Way back way back many years ago and I think with this episode I think it will resonate with a lot of performers not just those who have had to change career because of injury but because of the world and Covid people's performing career have stopped and they've had to look at their skill set and their other passions and what what can make them money. Yeah definitely I think a lot of performers have suddenly found themselves relying solely on their kind of what used to just be their job when they weren't performing and all of a sudden that's become become the main source of income so yeah so it's like when your side hustle which as performers you you kind of spend quite a lot of time building up but then your side hustle can become your your main hustle yeah definitely and actually what happened to me is I didn't even have a side hustle like I never had a side hustle as a performer so I honestly don't know what I would have done if I was still performing during the pandemic so before we get cracking on your yoga career, and we met back at Performance College, but after graduating, you then went on to RAM to study more. You then performed as a backing vocalist on shows such as Britain's Got Talent, the Royal Variety Show, as well as performing with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra in musicals like The Boyfriend and Femme Fatale. And you also appeared in some TV adverts and TV shows. But that all changed you were in a show when you had your injury which then kind of changed your world completely can you tell us a bit more about um, your injury and kind of the lasting effects that's had on you yeah so um I was performing in a show and had a little accident and got a concussion just like run-of-the-mill mild concussion not really a huge deal or didn't seem like a huge deal at the time. Um, and, you know, went to hospital, had it checked out, just everything's fine, just need to rest a little bit and you'll be good to go. And then um, over the next few weeks after the head injury, became really, really ill. And um, I was then very, very poorly for quite like two years, really kind of, bedridden and able to work and stuff and it took quite a lot of investigating and various GPs and specialists and my own research and eventually discovered I was suffering from a condition called post-concussion syndrome um, which is 
it's actually not that rare. It affects about 15% of people who've had a concussion, but it's not very well understood. There's not much treatment available. Um, so yeah, so I had this, uh, this magical illness and still even five years later suffer from symptoms of that, of that concussion. So it wasn't and quite mild after all. No, and with that, does it when you're having when you're possibly having a really bad peak, is it basically like you have a concussion all the time? Um, yeah, actually, that's probably the simplest way of putting it. A lot of the symptoms that you have immediately after, like a knock to the head, so like headaches, dizziness, fatigue, just general sort of confusion and cognitive issues. Um, yeah, if I am having a bad day, that's pretty much the list of symptoms that creep in and you know there's always to some extent some of those in the background in my life although they're very well managed now um but yeah it feels like you have a concussion for many years oh gosh and so obviously as a performer very physical job although you were your main focus was probably singing and acting. You still dance, but even as an actress, you have to learn lines, you have to retain information, and you just couldn't do that at the time because of the illness. So first of all, how was it having to kind of deal with your career being taken away from you? And then how did you kind of come out the other side to be like, right, this is not going to define me and become part of my identity? Um, well, it's not easy. Uh, at first, I was very much in denial and very much thinking that the illness was temporary. And so I was still being sent material from my agent and I was trying to learn, I remember trying to learn songs for a cruise ship audition. I just couldn't, it's like, I just couldn't learn the lyrics. I couldn't process the music, I couldn't read the music properly. It was really odd. Um, and then eventually kind of said, look, I'm not very well. I'm gonna have to cancel these auditions. Uh, and then, I don't know, there must have been a point where I decided, okay, I'm not gonna pursue performing anymore. Um, but I think the symptoms were so dramatic that it wasn't massively in my head. So it was kind of like the illness just took over everything and pursuing performing was like way down the list. Um, and then it was two years later, so I'd been very ill and I'd moved back in with mum and dad, had lots of different types of treatment and things. And two years later, I was still uh, really not very well. And I just decided that I needed to have another career. Like I was ready to find a job and I picked up a few odd jobs, you know, working a few hours here and there on receptions and things like that. Um, but I decided at that point that I needed to not necessarily let go of my performing dreams, but start to build, start to build a new dream. I love that. And I think that's <clears throat> the thing when, when you are performing or when you're creative, you're so in it you have to be quite tunneled vision, but still trying to be open to opportunities. I think when it's taken away, it's very exposing and it's, that in itself takes such a level of bravery. So first of all, pat on the back for you to actually just having the courage to be like, right, what else makes me tick? But let's talk about that positive. You eventually found yoga. So what was that like when you found something that gave you that buzz? And then what was the retraining like to become 
a yoga instructor? Well, initially, so yoga had always been a part of my life. I'd always practiced, gone to classes, done a bit of reading, but I had no intention of being a yoga teacher, never wanted to be a yoga teacher. So many people would say to me, oh, you should teach yoga as your side hustle. And I was like, no, 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 I'm only interested in performing. So it kind of came out of necessity in a way. And I know that sounds a bit depressing because I'd like to think it was this ignited a new fire in me. But at the point I made the decision, it was, I need another way of earning money that aligns with some of the skills and experience I've already got and um, kind of seemed doable as well with the, the restrictions that I have because of the illness. I'd sort of been going to yoga classes and watching other teachers and I was like, yeah, all right, I reckon I could give this a go. And so I contacted lots of different training centers and told them about my situation, my health and the fact that I wasn't gonna be able to do like an eight hour training day, which is what a lot of the courses offer. And I found a lovely lady called Mahela and um, yeah, she was just really down to earth and really chilled about everything. And she said she'd love to facilitate my becoming a yoga teacher. And so I signed up, yeah. And then a year later, I was a fully qualified yoga teacher. I love the honesty there as well, because I think, as again, as performers, we are so resilient and resourceful. Like, if we've got to make money, we will find a way, whether that's performing or using our skills in another way. Again, quite often as performers, we sometimes only equate our skills to the value in an audition, where actually there's so much worth in them. But I also want to say to listeners, you're not, you didn't just retrain as a yoga instructor. You've built such a strong personal brand and business. You teach yoga, you run yoga retreats. You also manage yoga brand social media channels as well. So you've retrained and then also blossomed and thrived as well. Well, thanks. A lot of that is down to you, Jamie, and your advice and your courses over the last few years have been really uh, invaluable. But um, yeah, I kind of, it, I almost wish the person that I've kind of become now and the skills that I've built now through what's happened to me and through building my yoga business, I can't believe I didn't apply those to my performing career back in the day. But it was almost as if the accident itself and that, you know, couple of years of just being completely out of it, it almost just gave me a new perspective on life and a bit more um, a bit more get up and go and a bit more I was like more felt more authentic and less maybe less kind of modest I think as a performer I was always quite modest didn't really want to put myself out there too much whereas after having a head injury and being really really sick I was like I am putting myself out there you know I was like I don't yeah. care. like I'm gonna I'm going to do this and I'm going to be confident about it and I'm going to put it on social media and um, yeah, I do. I manage a couple of other yoga studios, social medias as well, um, which has been really great. Jamie's given me some really, really good advice, which again, I never thought I'd do because I hardly even used social media before I was a yoga teacher. The thing is though, like you can authentically bring the same brand and tone to a yoga company social media because it's your life now it's your you know it inside and out so it's really authentic and people will they would it, it'll help people to learn love and trust those brands as well as your own which I think is fab and I think one thing that again will resonate a lot with listeners is 
those skills are what you could have applied to you as a performer and you not to say you wouldn't have learned them as a performer if you were still in that career but I just think it goes to show that you had to learn some new skills but also you brought a whole arsenal of skills with you from your performing career yeah it definitely gave me a huge advantage um also I just wanted to say actually I said earlier you know I I wasn't that passionate about being a yoga teacher when I started training and things it was just sort of a necessity and something that I was interested in but through the training I did become very passionate about it and and it is now I do now feel as passionate about yoga and teaching yoga as I did about performing I just wanted to highlight that you know sometimes as a performer if you're trying to find a side hustle nothing else really resonates as much as performing and yoga really didn't at that point for me but actually throwing myself into it has made it my number one passion and um, but anyway yes to answer your question yeah there were so many things I kind of didn't realize from all those years of training as a performer and pursuing work as a performer that were going to translate really well into teaching yoga because I always hated teaching like when we were teenagers and we were encouraged to teach performing arts to kids I was really bad at it really bad <laughs> at it didn't enjoy it like it did it just did not do it for me and I avoided it so much. So I never thought I'd be, I'd be teaching now, but um, teaching adults is amazing and I love it. And I feel really passionate about adults and uh, you know, health and well-being for adults. But um, yeah, it was, I was training with three other women. We were all at very different points in our lives. And about halfway through the training, we had to start getting up and actually teaching. And I got up and taught, I think I just had to teach 10 minutes uh, like a 10 minute warm up and that was it and at the end they both said you sound like a yoga teacher I was like what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean I sound like a yoga teacher you're like you've got that yoga teacher voice and I was like have I and I didn't realize I was doing it but obviously if you've come from a background of being an actor and having vocal training and I wasn't especially confident it's the first time I'd ever got up and tried to teach yoga but it obviously come across in my voice that I was emulating like other yoga teachers that I admired and putting on like a, a relaxing yoga teacher voice and um, so <laughs> to just be able to get up uh, and just walk into a room of, of students and get up in front of them and actually just speak and lead them through a class I didn't really think too much of that whereas obviously for the the other students that I was training with that was the biggest hurdle for them whereas i that wasn't that unusual for me at that point, you know, that a class is only maybe 10 people, you know, 20 if you're in London. So it didn't feel like a huge deal from a confidence perspective. And I think what's good there is like that yoga studio almost becomes your stage, doesn't it? You're the people in the class are the audience. You are performing, you're wearing not a costume, but you're wearing a yoga outfit. So there's so many similarities that also probably helped you again to, feel at home but also I guess when you said about finding that buzz again with yoga and falling in love with it there were so many similarities to what you've done since you were gosh I don't know when you started like three four five years old yeah definitely especially at first when you are new to teaching yoga you're in new studios you're trying to impress studio owners and you know and you're learning on the job and I think having some sense of being able to switch into a bit of a performance mode, you know, let go of the insecurities and just be able to 
uh, or if you're having a bad day and you don't really want that to come across to your students, um, it is helpful to be able to switch on that kind of, okay, I'm in yoga teacher mode now for an hour. This is what I'm doing. Um, and also the lifestyle. The lifestyle of a yoga teacher is not dissimilar to the lifestyle of a performer. And a lot of yoga teachers really struggle to find their feet when they first start teaching, especially if they've come from being employed. Um, whereas for me, I was like, yeah, you go around the venues, you find out who's in charge, you write letters, you, you know, you, you, you get to know what's going on in your local area. It didn't seem odd to me to be pursuing work as a yoga teacher, as a self-employed person. The other teachers were office jobs. They were really, you know, really didn't know where to start. Yeah. And I think what I love about that then is that is what I always try and say to performers is that a lot of the skills you just said there are business skills. But as a performer, you don't realise when you're researching who's on the audition panel, learning material, researching what to wear, finding out where the best classes are or who the agents are, writing emails. It's always like email marketing, you're researching, you're copywriting, you're marketing yourself on social media. But I think we often don't see that as creatives or performers. And I think I just love the fact what you've just said there is you were marketing yourself and didn't even realise almost by like cold calling on studios, you're doing like network marketing. Yeah, and like 90% of my job is that. Like I, the actual teaching of the classes is like second nature. It's like, oh, right, yeah, I've actually got to teach a yoga class now. But most of the time, that's what we're doing. We're managing our personal brand, our personal business. Just quickly pause in halfway through to say thank you already to Rachel for sharing so much information and it's given such a nice open view of what it's like when you do change career. Later on, Rachel does share her social handles, which I will put in the show notes. And if you are enjoying the episode, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave your review. Now back on with the show. So what advice would you give to someone who's listening, who either through injury or falling out of love of performing or because of COVID is not performing anymore. What advice would you give to someone maybe about pursuing other passions or at least being open to other opportunities? I think being open to it is key, actually. I was so closed off to other opportunities for the kind of eight years that I was pursuing performing. I had other opportunities and I I was closed off to them. I didn't want to take them. I didn't want to take any emphasis off performing. Um, And like I said, I wasn't convinced by teaching yoga. It wasn't something I had thought about before. I didn't know if it would necessarily suit me. Um, But I found myself in a position like, unfortunately, lots of performers have because of a pandemic where I needed something and I put all my eggs in that basket and it really, really, really paid off. But I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for the accident. So I think if this is a really horrible time and hopefully, you know, things will pick up in theatre and things will pick up in performing and that'll be great. But if you are really, you know, really struggling to find inspiration to do something else, to follow another dream, it doesn't have to feel as big as performing has always felt for you it doesn't have to feel as passionate as we all feel about the arts about performing it can just be a little spark of an idea and because we're in this circumstance you've got a bit of time just pursue it and see what happens because sometimes you know it's like a relationship sometimes it takes a bit of time to build up that that passion it doesn't come immediately 
and, and maybe it's maybe you know further down the line you discover that's not the thing for you but I think give it a go what's fab about that is like you said it doesn't doesn't have to be this massive light bulb u-turn moment where you like yes my other passion to the same is this and also sometimes you've got to try something to realize actually that should just stay as a hobby or actually I don't enjoy that enough to try and build that up into a career yes I've definitely discovered some of those things along the way as well where I've gone oh whoa okay <laughs> I'm not very good at that <laughs> I'm gonna just put that <laughs> uh, but that's okay too uh, but if you don't try then you never know Completely. And what, what I'd love to touch on now is um, support networks. Again, I think our um, creative industries are so lovely. People go through the same thing with auditions. You're, you might see people at the same masterclass or workshop or that audition. So this is a really good support system. Quite often we live with other creatives. But when you start segueing into another career or stop going to certain industry events for one reason or the other, it can sometimes feel a bit like the industry's turned its back on you. And that's not an intentional thing. But obviously, as we said, people are in that flow. They're quite focused. So how important was it for you when you initially, when you had your injury, what was what was that like trying to surround yourself with a good support network? Um, it was quite hard at first because anything industry related was difficult to handle you know when it's kind of a, a trauma but I do you know what I think even if there's not a physical trauma like there was with me like an actual injury a lot of us feel maybe a bit let down by the industry like it's kind of broken up with us and we're not really sure why you know at different points in our career we feel like we're we're drifting away from it and I think over time and over the years of being a performer you find out who your people are and those people whatever's going on in their career are always amazing and I'm so so lucky because I've got you guys from college and I've got other groups from RAM and, and various jobs and and everyone pretty much is still pursuing performing or was pre-pandemic and um I was so lucky. Everyone was so supportive, so understanding. I didn't feel, and I still don't feel left out of it. I still get to go to press nights. I still get to see my friends doing amazing things. Um, you know, I'm still happy to chat with people about, oh, what's going on with you in auditions? What's going on with this? And I feel, because I feel like I found a really comfortable place in myself now um, where I don't have that sort of resentment towards the industry anymore I can I can sit back and enjoy it and enjoy what other people are doing but I'm really happy with what I'm doing um and kind of in a way it's reignited my my love for it and I think you said a word there you said trauma and I think anyone at the moment whether you realize it or not everyone is experiencing a form of trauma now with COVID. It's the the loss of routine, the lack of seeing people and physical touch, the loss of jobs and your passion. So everyone, whether they look at it maybe like that or not, is going through some form of trauma and they're out of their comfort zone. But I think quite often the thing we really want or desire is outside of our comfort zone. Otherwise we would already have it. So using this time during COVID to relax or pursue other passions or rest 
or educate yourself. Like whatever you want to do right now is okay. Because I think as you've shown yourself, you've went through something that was so life changing. And although it took you a couple of years, you're now in a such a fantastic place. Yeah, and I'm really grateful and really lucky, actually, because I've ended up, obviously no one could have predicted what's happened, but I've ended up with a job that I can continue through the pandemic, um, which has been so helpful for me for, for routine and things. But what I would say, and I, I've written quite a bit about this on my social media, I did a post uh, for New Year, is yeah, we've all faced a massive, or still going through a huge collective trauma at the minute with the pandemic and whatever's happened for you personally that's that's a big deal and we need to really um take it slow don't beat yourself up if you don't really feel particularly motivated but sometimes periods of rest and certainly what happened for me is a long period of enforced rest kind of led me to the new thing I didn't it wasn't like I was like right I need to google career options for myself it just sort of yeah. came to me after a long period of having no choice but to lay in bed all day um, and then all of a sudden I woke up one morning I was like right I feel ready to do something I think I'll do this so just because you're resting you're not feeling particularly motivated or inspired by anything right now doesn't mean that there's not something kind of ticking away in the back of your mind completely and I think let's talk about yoga life outside of covid because obviously you've built up a career that although you um, although covid has obviously at first taken away the in-person studio experience you can run online but what was a typical day or let's say we're not in covid what is a typical day like for rachel because as you said you are a freelancer you are a businesswoman so what is a typical day like for you they vary quite a lot actually i guess similar to being a performer because some days i'm teaching a 9 a.m class um, you know, so I'm up, I'm out, I'm teaching that 9am class and then I'm maybe like having a cup of tea with a student afterwards, that usually happens. Uh, and now I spend my afternoon doing all the, all the admin and the social media and things like that. And then maybe I'm back to the studio in the evening for another class or two. Uh, and then other days I'm not teaching in the morning at all and maybe I'm going to somebody's home. So I do a lot of private sessions in people's homes. Um, so I'll be going out to somebody's home in the countryside in the afternoon. Um, you know, maybe a few phone calls. I get lots of phone calls from either current students or, or people who are thinking about starting yoga who's maybe got like a health condition or an injury. Um, they want some advice on that. So there's always a list of like people to call um, or research to do if I'm not sure I completely know how to help somebody with their condition. Then um then there's research to be done there. So each day is quite different. Sometimes I'm teaching very late in the evening. Sometimes I'm up quite early in the morning. But I think, again, career performing prepared me quite well for that. Um, and the weekends as well, I, I have one or two weekends a month that are jam-packed with workshops. So I focus quite a lot of my business on, on workshops where students get you know, two or even three hours and it's themed around something and there are sometimes like essential oils or cake or some, some other yeah. <laughs> it's always cake that make it a bit more of a kind of almost like a little mini retreat um so yeah so in normal times I'm doing I'm all over the place and I'm doing lots of different things whereas now I'm doing it all from my sofa and I just switch my zoom on <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> not quite as dynamic in terms of where I'm going in the day 
one thing you've touched upon there that I think is I'm still learning and I, I battle with it is time management. There's sometimes that I'm like, yes, I am on this. And then there's times that I'm like, how am I having to fit so much in? How do you typically try to structure you as a business? Because obviously, as you said, the, the in-person or the teaching aspect is only a small percent. It's the marketing yourself, running accounts, um, taking care of your own well-being, writing guest articles. So typically when it comes to time management for you, how is it you run your business? I know I have particular times of day where I know I'm more productive. I'm really not a morning person. So I'm never going to be somebody that's like up at 5am. Like I get all these things done before breakfast. Like it's never going to work for me. Even as a year, there's a lot of pressure in like the well-being industry to be a morning person. I've just had to accept that I'm not. I'm far yeah. more productive after lunch. And after lunch is a good time because you don't have that many classes. So knowing what time of day you're most likely to be productive is key. And then I've always got, I've always got, I write everything down in an actual notebook with an actual pen. So I've always got a list. It's always starred by priorities of things that absolutely have to be done that day, things that can wait until later in the week. And then there's always a few things kind of lingering on the bottom of the list that never really get around to doing, but they're kind of there and that they're clearly not that urgent. Um, so yeah, find the productive time of day, write the list. And then when you get that, spare hour or two that's allocated for admin start working through the list I love that Rachel and that makes me so happy because it's similar things to what I do in the fact of knowing where my energy is best placed that day like I know I'm a bit opposite to you in the fact of I'm quite a morning person so I will try not to take calls too early so I can actually work on me and my brand and my business and then as the day goes on open up that space because that's when I'm like I've got more headspace myself so absolutely love everything you said there I will let you go soon but I want to know who or what inspires you and that may have changed obviously because you've changed career but is there a person a book anything that inspires you particularly yeah I thought of a book um whilst I was unwell and I was in bed I read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. So she is a writer. She's the writer who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. So a lot of people okay. know that. So she's a bit of a, got a bit of yoga experience behind her, but she's an incredible writer. She writes fiction and nonfiction. So Big Magic, um, the subtitle is Creative Living Beyond Fear. Ooh. And just a really beautifully written book I guess it comes under self-help or you know like self-development um and it's about in fact it would be such a good lockdown read for people who don't quite know what to do with themselves at the moment because it's about kind of being creative living your creative kind of dream without fear you know just just going for it not being afraid of the the outcome and just being able to embrace it and it's yeah, it's just one of these books that as I was reading it, I was screenshotting like every paragraph and sending it out to different friends being like, oh, she's so right, she's so right. And I've got, um, I've got a quote from it that I thought was quite relevant to your podcast. Ooh. And um, yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> She said, there's no dishonor in having a job. What is dishonorable is scaring away your creativity by demanding that it pay for your entire existence. Ah, that's the deep stuff there, Rachel. Deep stuff. I just thought that was very interesting. So often we, you know, we feel a bit ashamed of our side hustles as performers, but actually 
if you've got a side hustle that's paying the bills, it can really allow space for you to be really creative um, in your own time, taking the pressure off, uh, pressure of having to pay the bills with it. So I thought that was relevant. Oh, no, I love that. As performers, we... There are certain jobs that are like, oh, you you do this, this to pay your bill. And all of a sudden you're doing a job you don't like and it becomes almost full time. Where sometimes if you do have another set of skills or other passions, don't be scared to pursue them and just see what comes from it. You may hit the jackpot and build up a side business that you love and that makes you good money and you have skills for. Or you might not. Not everyone has to have a side hustle. But I think having that courage um, is such... We need that. And I think, again, as anything, if the last year or so has taught us is that like nothing is certain. So mm. it's OK. Yeah. And you can, you know, even if it's not a, a side hustle, like a separate career, it can just be a hobby. So many of us as, as adults lose our hobbies. And again, lockdown, I think for some people has really helped. You know, they, they've explored old hobbies that they loved as kids or completely new things. But um, it doesn't have to become a huge success. You don't have to be opening a really successful Etsy shop in six months time. It can just be something you do because you enjoy it and it, it makes you feel happy at a time when, you know, things are a little bit challenging. And that's what life should be about is finding the happiness and joy even on those days when you might not be feeling it, you have those pockets, I think, that keep pushing you through. Yes, exactly. Do you have any other quotes that you, obviously that quote was a banger of a quote, but do you have any others that you maybe use quite often or have as a mantra or as an affirmation? Is there any other ones that have kind of helped you through your career? Yeah, I've got quite a few because it's quite... um. I never had anything like this. I was really not very spiritual pre-accident. And then a lot of people will tell you like when a life-changing thing happens, sometimes like spirituality comes out and that's sort of what's happened for me. So I've got loads of mantras uh, and things now, but the one that I thought of, and it's interesting because it really ties in to what you just said about finding pockets of happiness. And it's really similar. So it's my, my first yoga teacher, the teacher who who turned me into a teacher, Mahela Wall, and she used to say to us to find the magic in the mundane. Oh, I love that. Really similar to finding pockets of happiness in every day. So just finding the magic in the mundane, and that has been really transformational for me, to not be like, if I'm not a leading lady in the West End, then I am miserable. Um, but, you know, that is so hugely unlikely for most people and even those who who get to live that dream often find it's not quite you know what they thought it would be whereas when you can like really pair your life back and find feel like I love that pockets of happiness find those pockets of happiness in your day not every day some days you just feel miserable and that's fine as well um but yeah just finding finding the joy in, in the small kind of really normal day-to-day -day things I think is really um key to to just a generally more balanced, more positive way of life. Yeah, no, absolutely love everything you're saying there. And I just read a fantastic book called um, Atomic Habit by James Clear. And it's mm -hmm. all about just trying to be 1% better every day. Habits, good or bad, build up over time. And that can change your trajectory of how you might progress or actually hinder yourself. And I think... It's fine, like, as you just said there, I love that, where you could be, you're not actually leaving the house today, but yet you've had a good FaceTime with a friend or you've actually got paid for that invoice you've been chasing for two months. There's odd little splashes you can find. 
How did you know? I mean, I have not left the house today. Now, you, <laughs> now you know my secret. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, it doesn't have to be that amazing holiday or that dream job. Or those things are like the cherry on the icing on the cake that come around a few times in a lifetime. But they, the little things each day are the things that you can really find like deep contentment. Rachel, where can our listeners find you? You offer classes, a broad spectrum for advanced beginners, pre and postnatal. You have retreats when we are allowed to travel. You do chakra consultations. You offer so much. Where can people find you online? Yes. So for the yogis out there, I specialize in yin yoga, pregnancy yoga, postnatal, and I teach um, a regular Hatha classes as well. And yeah, lots of workshops um and potentially a retreat at some point is already being postponed um my website designed by jamie body is <laughs> is yogachronicles.co.uk and that's the same on instagram i'm at yoga.chronicles and facebook i'm my name so i'm rachel windsor yoga on there and it's all again thanks to jamie's expertise linked in with each other so if you go on to one of those you'll be able to connect with me on any of the other sites and i love 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 talking to people about yoga and wellness and especially if there's a particular illness or injury or just something going on um, that you'd like to know more about how yoga can or if yoga can help you, then that's my particular passion. I've been to several of Rachel's classes and they're fantastic. She also does um, oil blends as well. So kind of immersive is probably not the right word, is it? But like a 4D <laughs> experience when you go to yoga. Yeah, it doesn't work so well online. But yes, in, in normal times, I've got <laughs> shops that combine like music and yoga and essential oils and um yeah remember those days those were the days Uh, well thank you so much rachel and if you've enjoyed this show listeners please head over to apple Podcasts and leave us a review i'll put rachel's handles and everything in the show notes um she is a beacon of knowledge and comfort so i think anyone listening who is feeling a bit lost or needs to get their body moving again after not being able to because of lockdown she she's your gal I'm your girl. Thank you so much, Jamie. And that is why I love Rachel Windsor. She's an amazing friend. She is a gorgeous human being. She has so much value, energy and time to give to people. And I know that if someone is listening and this has kind of hit home, she is there for you. Reach out to her. She is a fantastic yoga and well-being practitioner as well. So do go give her a follow on social media. As I said earlier, if you've enjoyed this episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave your review. And I'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs>